Science and Technology. everybody, what's up? Welcome to Steampunks. I'm your co-host, Emily Schock. And I'm Zachary Schock, your co-host, husband, and number one fan of Emily. Are you cute? I can actually see you now. Gross. You're not hiding behind a big old box. <laughs> I like boxes. I know. I what? can hide my emotions in oh. them. No, what are you sad about? Because we lost our mics. We did our mics they died one well, of them one died. died and then it's like we're not gonna replace <laughs> one we're not, one of us isn't gonna sound very very good well the only one doesn't let's be honest i'm the one that sounds good so i mean you are <laughs> so you know that's why i'm the one that talks the most precisely <laughs> so what are we doing this week uh, well, we're going to talk about someone and also a little bit about a topic that really relates to her and a lot of the steampunks we talk about, and that's just the... Church. <laughs> <laughs> no. Very religious here on this podcast. It's, I, it's almost one for one. 99% of these <laughs> steampunks... You're not wrong. <laughs> We're not. I know I said I would ride the goof trains more. <laughs> I don't want to get on this goof train. <laughs> it's going somewhere I don't want to go. <laughs> That's why you'd use the no, but. <laughs> no, <laughs> but. Sort of the presence of women in steam fields, like a percentage basis. Just look up the percentage of women around Yellowstone National Park <laughs> steam fields. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to let you do your thing because I love your jokes. I do. <laughs> but but wow <laughs> just two big old stinkers right off the bat huh yeah okay we need to talk about science now in particular computer science bringing it back in it's a pretty well-known fact that women just don't make up as large of a percentage of classrooms in steam fields as men do uh, if you were to guess right now like ratio 100 percent scale mm -hmm. women to men what do you what do you think 42 percent lower 36 and this is particular for computer science but lower okay yeah computer science i'm gonna say probably 21 percent lower <laughs> 18%. You got it. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Totally. 
And the really sad part of that is that it's gone down since 1984. But in 1984, 37% of computer science majors were women. Wow, that is significant. But by 2014, it dropped to 18. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that women don't think other women are there, so they don't go there. Yeah. Does that make... They don't congregate. Yeah. And they they don't think they belong. Yeah. Which is nonsense because the steampunk we're talking about today. I'm sorry, it's nonsense. Which is nonsense <laughs> because the steampunk we're talking about today, Sister Mary Kenneth Keller, was the first person to get a doctorate in computer science in the United States. First person or first lady? For, okay, first person. <laughs> But also kind of simultaneously second person. Her and some guy on the other side of the country got it like the same day. (laughs) (laughs) But that takes a lot of time to say. (laughs) So I'm going to say first person. But you were correct in pointing out the nonsense because, you know, Sister Mary (laughs) Kenneth Keller, she was a nun. What? What? That religious thing you were talking about earlier, it came back around. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> from half court <laughs> pulled it in <laughs> it's almost like you know the things we're going to talk about I'm so proud of you no don't don't break the don't break fiction okay the name of the other guy was Irvin C. Tang if anyone was curious about the other guy Irvin Irving so let's learn about Mary, shall we? Let's go. Let's go back in time. <laughs> it's nineteen thirteen, the dead of winter, December seventeenth, in little Cleveland, Ohio, which is not it's nineteen thirteen, it's not little. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever hear of the tiny village New York City? <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> so Mary was born. To John Adam Keller and Catherine Josephine. And that's really all I got about her childhood. We got it, guys. <laughs> she was born and she done grew up. She didn't die. So she was born. She lived a life. She probably got sick sometimes. Probably pet a dog. <laughs> Drink some milk. Eight. Eight some pie listen to the radio anyway (laughs) and when she was 19 she entered the sisters of charity at the blessed virgin mary um very nunny (laughs) which is yeah that that's where nuns happen at the time it was more like what she entered into was like the high school okay and that's where she learned all her Maths and sciences and Englishes and became really interested in technical science at that point. She finished up her schooling there. And then in 1940, she took her vows and became a a sister of the Sisters of Charity rather than just a student. So the school really became a habit of hers. (laughs) It's more like school gave her a habit i guess (laughs) she did not walk around with the school covering her head (laughs) 
It was in her head from the knowledge. While a lot of nuns choose to to stay at the nunnery. At the nunnery. Well, Well, a lot of nuns choose to stay there and pray and teach and... You live know, their lives. Live their lives in that way. Uh, others go and learn more, and, and she was one of those. She uh, went and she got her Bachelor of Science in Math in 1943 from DePaul University, which is in Chicago, I think. So she went from Cleveland to Chicago? She was born in Cleveland. The Sisters of Charity were in uh, Dubuque, Iowa. Okay. And then she went to Chicago from there. She felt a little homesick. Chicago is in a different... It's a different state, but it's closer. Okay, yeah. (laughs) I thought you meant like she went back home and I was like, no. No. You know, those two great cities next to each other, Cleveland and Chicago. That's why they call them the Twin Cities. (laughs) Afterwards, she stayed at DePaul and got her Master's of Science in Math and Physics in 1953. Her next stop in her education life was in Wisconsin. Interesting. Uh, That's where she went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison and earned her PhD, the first one there was. (laughs) Wow, except for that Irving guy. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) Her dissertation was titled Inductive Inference on Computer-Generated Patterns. (laughs) And it was focused on, quote, constructing algorithms that performed analytic differentiation on algebraic expression written in CDC Fortran 63. That's a lot of words. Machine language. (laughs) I'm a web developer. I make things pretty. Yeah. (laughs) But... I get the basic gist of what she's going on there. And it's very high-level machine stuff, which makes sense because during her time trying to get a PhD, she worked with a bunch of different universities like Michigan, Purdue, and Dartmouth. And at Dartmouth, she worked with the National Science Foundation, where it was only dudes. (laughs) It was one of those situations where they were like, is a girl even allowed here? It's it's the airbud clause. <laughs> There's no rule against it. <laughs> um, how do you how is there a program for a doctorate? When there's nobody who has ever gotten a doctorate in that program? Well, with computer science, it makes sense because it, especially in the early 60s, was becoming a more and more structured field and i mean the first doctorate has to be somewhere i mean obviously i I guess (laughs) that was more just a general interests you go to the your advisor or maybe the dean of that school and Mm -hmm. say hey i think i can do a lot of good research in this and would like to be rewarded for it at the end plus you get to say you gave the first computer science phd (laughs) true (laughs) win-win and i mean i I guess at at that level of learning it's more self-learning than absolutely phds are 
I, I don't know. I don't have a PhD. Yeah, exactly. But I have but... heard that PhDs are very much like you do a bunch of work and then someone reviews it for a really long time and then tells you how to change it. And then you go back and keep doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so very self-driven. When she was at the National Science Foundation in that all dude room, she worked on implementing the first kernel of basic so that's more software language rather than like yeah. uh, lo logic language right it is high level it's using more english words to tell the computer what to do but it's still not nearly as almost human language that like your javascript C++ and your and, yeah and your uh your pythons are gonna give you but it was a huge first step in moving towards those more intricate detail languages yeah you have and to have, she was part of it you have to have baby steps mm -hmm. gotta have the bottom block before you can get <laughs> to the top sister mary was particularly interested in computers because she really saw their potential like people at this point were like oh cool they can do these calculations we need to do and they can do them very fast but she was they like they can do two plus two so fast they can do two plus two <laughs> it was just like boom four it takes ten minutes so fast and it took a whole room to do it <laughs> <laughs> but she's she saw into the future um of increasing access to information that was huge for her she saw those spongebob memes and, and she the, was like i yeah. need to get the computers better but I... not sarcastically <laughs> i hope everyone knows that was a sarcastic spongebob meme <laughs> I need everyone to know that was a sarcastic Spongebob meme. How, how do you vocalize capital to lower? I'm a Spongebob meme. So when she finished her doctorate and was like, I've learned everything that structured education is going to teach me. So let's help others learn. She founded the first computer science department at Clark College, which is now Clark University. Ooh, they grew fancy. up. It's a Catholic women's college founded by the Sisters of Charity. <laughs> <laughs> no. In Dubuque, Iowa. So she went, learned all she could, came back home and was like, hey, I have this new stuff to teach our girls. <laughs> well, and boys, probably mostly boys. But. And when she started that in 1965, the National Science Foundation, where she had worked on BASIC, uh, gave her a $25,000 grant uh, payable over two years for instructional equipment so she could buy like pencils and chalk <laughs> so she could buy computers for her <laughs> students to, they didn't just have them they didn't have a a a big old cabinet filled with mac laptops that rolled from classroom <laughs> to classroom and here's your individual room with the giant computer completely filling it and here's Our computer your science department is 300 stories tall and has <laughs> 300 machines in it it can multiply. <laughs> two times two. And when she starts something, she starts it because she ran that small college computer science department for 20 years. Wow. <laughs> of course, now Clark College has the Keller Computer Center of Information Services and that's where all the computer and like IT support lives, as well as some of the all of it. This is all of it. That's where <laughs> IT is. There's doesn't exist outside <laughs> that city. And on top of getting the building named after her, 
there's a computer science scholarship in her name and honor. Throughout her time running this and just her whole life, she was a huge advocate for women in computer science. Oh, yeah, yeah. On top of computers used in education, which, like, it's wild to me that someone <laughs> had to say that was a good idea. Hey, guys, this th- these fast things that does stuff for us, how about... <laughs> I can't even imagine learning anything. Like, what did we do in, like, first and second grade color <laughs> um it's like it's probably the same concept of like oh you won't have computers around for you so don't get used no, to you. it guess what they're everywhere all the time yeah they're there when you don't think they're there <laughs> <laughs> that is ominous <laughs> she established the association of small computer users in education which has the best acronym askew no. A-S-C-U-E. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm with Askew. I just have one issue with your uh, uh, sign. It's uh, slightly askew. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> what? Can I ask you a question? Oh, Dom, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and she wrote four books in the field of computing and education. So, like, all those typing classes where you watched rap videos about what finger goes on what (laughs) letters, all your iPads that kids have now that, like, the school buys for them, I guess. (laughs) iPhones. I don't know. Everything's because of her. In 1975, she went to the ACM slash SIGUCC, which is, like, a big computer Group. Convention. Uh, the User Services Conference. She declared, quote, We have not fully used a computer as the greatest interdisciplinary tool that has been invented to date. So she not only saw the potential of future computers, but of the dang ones they had right in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read the books she wrote because... Strap in, it's going to be a few-day recording. I'm just going to read you a <laughs> bunch of high-level computing books. No, but, but it's just the title of one really caught my eye, and that is Food Service Management and Applications of Matrix Methods, Food Service and Dietary Requirements. <laughs> and it's, like, about computer science. It, so she just spent a couple years of her time, like, going, like, and here's how McDonald's is going to do it in 20 years. <laughs> I guess there are microchips. Oh, man, I regret saying I'd ride the goof train. And then at the end of her story, she died January 10th, 1985, at the age of 71. But I think she's a great example of the fact that women have always been there in computer science. Yeah. From Ada Lovelace. (laughs) Mary Somersville, eventually. Spoilers. They they've always been there. We've always been there. I am one. <laughs> I am I am we. We we've always been there. We've always belonged there, and we deserve a spot at the table. And it's okay. I I was never the only girl in my computer science classes, except for maybe like one summer class where there was only ten people. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I was only one of 
four or five. Uh, it, like 25. Uh, 25 or, yeah. or more. Yeah. So, you know, it's fine. It's great here. The water's great. It's just like solving logic puzzles all day. <laughs> it's super fun. And girls and boys and non-binary individuals and all the genders and none of the genders, because gender is nothing, all belong. Come join the party. Beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep. Computer science pool party. Splash. Wow, she died so cool. Oh, God, the water's coming up. Ah, But then the day was saved by computer (laughs) science. The end. We are a part of the Pocket Podcast Network, bringing quality content right to your pocket. Check out other shows on the network, like No Dice is Coming Back. They just released a couple new episodes. And our our other actual play, The Green Mountain Mysteries. Ooh. Ooh, so mysterious and fun. But we have other... Non <laughs> gaming, non gaming shows, home viewing, them's the facts, avocado toast. They're all great and fun. So check them out. And follow us on Steampunk's Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can follow me personally on Twitter at shocking underscore awesome. And thank you to the band The Crypts for the use of their song Marie Curie for our intro and outro. I'm Emily. And I'm Zach. And keep flying, you beautiful, majestic, steam powered horses. Me! Hi, I'm Daniel, game master of the actual play podcast, No Dice. Join magic assholes, Ixen. There's a score between me and doors, and so far, doors are zero. Perry. They definitely have a lot of daggers happening. They're they're hiding in various spaces. Sayersha. I always love getting stories from adventurers. I, I really wish I could just have, you know, one of my own. And a whole host of guest players. You can find No Dice on the first Friday of every month on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or PocketPodcastNetwork.com. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.